This is a Federal News Network podcast. Telework is on the rise. Engineering and technical positions are difficult to fill, and it's hard to compete with private sector salaries. Those tropes about the federal workforce also apply to people working for state and local government. For more on these and other findings, we turn to the senior research associate at the Center for State and Local Government Excellence, Gerald Young. Mr. Young, good to have you on. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. And it's always fun to compare what's going on at the non-federal level with the federal level. And uh, you found that, let's start with telework. This is an annual survey, correct? And people at the state and local level are working more than ever at teleworking. A surprise there, or is it just because of the pandemic? Uh, Not a surprise at all. In fact, we have been doing this survey since 2009, and telework is something that we've seen on the rise, uh, uh, I'd say, since about 2016, but it's very often been you know, a key practice in not only reacting to emergency situations like we're in right now, but also in attracting and retaining a workforce that you know sees that as a, a benefit to the employee and often a benefit to the community that they're serving and that it may be something that allows them to expand their available working hours. Now, at the federal level, the Trump administration has pretty tough ways of trying to reduce the amount of telework going on, you know, agency by agency, Social Security, Agriculture Department, and a few others. They've really tried to actively cut back at the state level and understanding that every entity is is unto itself. But is the trend toward more telework, as you were saying, since 2016? So after the pandemic is over and people are back in the offices, would you expect them to continue the upward trend toward teleworking? Yes, I think that the practice of telework will continue, and state agencies are far more likely at this point to be uh, offering telework for their eligible employees than local governments are, uh, although both have been increasing. I think where we will probably see the most change is both in those organizations that had never offered telework before that have now had experience in it and will decide to continue because they see benefits in doing so. And also in those agencies that continue to have social distancing concerns that need to look at the geography of their office space and make adaptations to allow for perhaps employees to stagger days that they might be working from home. And just give us some of the numbers across the state and local universe that you have surveyed. How many people or what percentage of people are teleworking on average? Well, we hadn't been looking at the percentage of people who've been teleworking so much as the organizations that offer telework. And 64% of state agencies that responded to our most recent surveys were offering regular telework to their employees. About 19% of local agencies were doing the same. But this particular survey that we've just concluded started in February. So a lot of the data that we were collecting was pre-COVID. And again, what we're looking to do is capture this type of data on an annual basis. So we'll be very curious to continue watching those trends post-COVID as well. And of those two-thirds of, say, the state-level agencies that do offer telework, is it certain departments that tend to do it, certain types of governmental functions? It's not necessarily limited to specific departments. And one of the areas that we have surveyed is you know, whether there are certain areas that are excluded from telework. 
And we might anticipate that some of those are the more high-touch or uh, public-facing agencies, but that's not necessarily the case. Public safety, obviously, is something that needs to respond when there is an emergency, but only 41% of the respondents of the survey indicated that public safety is entirely excluded from flexible work practices. That may be that, you know, yes, it's uh, a little bit laughable to think that somebody is going to fight a fire at your house from their own house. But there are a lot of ways in which employees within, let's say, police or fire might be able to either telework or have flexible schedules that allow perhaps for, you know, four, 10 hour uh, workdays as opposed to five, eight hour workdays, you know, allowing for rotating shifts to be covering the needs not necessarily within direct patrol, but perhaps in back office operations, public works, parks and recreation, public health, all of those areas also have a very high percentage of organizations that say that they do not categorically exclude those employees from their flexible work rate. We're speaking with Gerald Young. He's Senior Research Associate at the Center for State and Local Government Excellence. And let's talk about the issue of attracting people to government. And this is something that the federal level is always expressing concern about. But this is also happening at the non-federal level, finding engineering, scientific, those kinds of technical jobs, finding people that want to work for government. Tell us more about your findings there. Oh, definitely. You know, attracting people to any particular employer is always a challenge. And with government There are certain fields like public safety that have traditionally been kind of not necessarily immune to the challenges of attracting a workforce, but they've had a particular culture that people find attractive and want to be of service to, uh, and therefore flock to those professions. That's not necessarily continuing at this point. Police and fire both have challenges in attracting people to come to positions that perhaps a few years ago there were people beating down the door for. But I think more so what we've been finding in our survey is that positions like engineering, like skilled trades, even like manual labor, when we're looking at public works employees, 25% or more of the agencies that we're talking to are saying that they are finding those to be hard to recruit positions. And you know, particularly in fields where there is competition with the private sector, if you are looking for an engineering position and you have the option to work in the private sector or the public sector, something has to make that difference for you. And it may be that you're able to command a higher salary in the private sector, but that's where public sector employers, whether that's state, local, or federal, have to offer something else. And it's not necessarily compensation because most of the organizations that we've spoken to say that they don't see compensation as where they are most competitive. Typically, it is either on the benefits side or on the more intangible side. And benefits, we typically think of as being pensions or you know, some other type of financial benefit that's offered. But there have been a lot of changes in the pension sphere over the last 10 or 20 years as well. And pensions may not be quite the attractor as uh, they once might have been. But when you have benefits that allow you additional flexibility, 
whether it's in telework or in some other capacity in your job, perhaps the ability to cross-train and get additional experience in other areas to get that type of professional development and career development that you're seeking, that might be what helps you to make that choice between employers. And it also might be that, you know, looking at the difference that you can make, particularly, I think, in local government, where you are so close to the people that you are serving, it might even be in a community that you grew up in, that you find more of a mission in the employer that you're choosing. Interesting, because uh, I was looking at the list of jobs that are hard to fill, and it's just surprising that what you say is borne out by these facts. Engineering, information technology, policing are difficult to fill, and right up in there is maintenance and manual labor work. And so I guess the market has changed a lot, hasn't it? This is <laughs> almost a statement on the economy as a whole, isn't it? Uh, well, it definitely is. When we started doing the survey in 2009, you know, all of those positions were ranked as fairly easy to recruit for. I don't think any of them were above 5% of respondents saying that they were difficult to fill. Whereas, you know, as you indicated, most of those currently are 20% or more of organizations saying that they're difficult to fill. And I think more telling is that as you look at some of those positions like engineers or registered nurses, 60 to 70 to 80 percent are saying that they're attracting fewer qualified applicants than they have available positions. So that's really the challenge to find those applicants who are interested in those positions, but are also potentially just even aware that those positions exist. And that's where times gone by, it might have been that you know, advertising in the local newspaper was sufficient to get the word out that you had a position available. But much more so at this point, uh, it's the social media, it's the online recruitment videos that you might be posting. Uh, and it's even the the more low-tech end of that spectrum with the employee referrals that are really getting the word out that not only do these opportunities exist, but they might be more rewarding than what somebody might be able to find in the private sector. But in the meantime, it would seem to mitigate then towards more outsourcing, just hiring contractors to do what you can't find people to do natively for the government. Well, outsourcing is certainly a part of the equation. There is some gig hiring that is going on within state and local government. Uh, it's definitely not the level of full-time hiring or even part-time hiring, but it is going on. It's going on much more so in certain fields than in others. Uh, office work is definitely a part of that. Engineering and IT certainly can be a part of that. But, you know, again, for obvious reasons, things like police and fire, you don't often hire somebody just for a week's work uh, and expect that that's going to uh, solve all the issues that you have in full-time recruitment. Indeed not. Gerald Young is Senior Research Associate at the Center for State and Local Government Excellence. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, 
Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.